Well, good morning. We're going to use that Bible this morning. We love that Bible. And we believe the Bible is the Word of God. We believe the Bible is God's direction for us from heaven to get to heaven. And we believe it's eternal, infallible, and something that we need to know deep in our hearts. Got your Bible. We're going to be in the book of Matthew this morning, Matthew chapter 27. We're going to take a little story from the Gospel of Matthew this morning. We are delighted to have each of you with us. We welcome those who are watching us on live stream as well, knowing that you wish you could be with us, and we wish you could be with us, and someday, hopefully, that will be. And we are glad to be with us together today. This is a busy week. The kids are excited. The parents are stressed. And it's just something that a lot of people look forward to. It's a time when some of you will be traveling, some of you will be hosting, and it's something that when you look at from a society or cultural standpoint, it presents a big conundrum. Because on the airwaves, in the homes, in the restaurants, in the stores, are playing all these songs about Jesus. Songs such as, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. The Savior reigns. He rules the world with truth and grace. Or a more modern song, Mary, Did You Know? When you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. And yet we live in a time when culture embraces and stands upon the fact that, or the idea of evolution being true, even though it's not true. A society that wants to ever follow the changing moods of man. A society that sings the hymns of humanism. And echoing all through the stores and through our homes are these songs. And society just doesn't know what to do with Jesus. And this morning, we're going to talk about that very idea, what to do with Jesus. Before we get started, let me just mention this for those who are not familiar with this. When we look in the Bible, the word Christmas is never used. The word Christmas is a mass of Christ. It came from our Catholic friends. In the New Testament, we read about the birth of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke. But the intent of the New Testament was the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. That's what the apostles preached throughout all the world. We do not find the early church celebrating the birth of Jesus. The birth of Jesus was important, but the birth of Jesus did not change our lives. It was his death and his resurrection that changed our lives. And so as we've just remembered, his death, his resurrection... That is a significant thing that we need to remember. And so when we come to seasons like this, we recognize the season that we're in, but we recognize the emphasis the Bible places and to look upon those things as we do. And so when we think about this question, what shall I do with Jesus? Our times don't know what to do with Jesus because there's a lot of people that believe in him and the movers and shakers of our times don't believe in Jesus. But that question really goes back to Matthew 27 and a time when Jesus was being tried by the governor Pilate. And that question comes up. Let's read this section here. I'm going to point out just three things real quickly and then we'll look to this idea, what do we do with Jesus? It begins in verse 11 of Matthew 27. Now Jesus stood before the governor and the governor questioned him saying, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, it is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he made no answer. Then Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? 
And he did not answer him with regard to even a single charge. So the governor was quite amazed. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the multitude any prisoner with whom they wanted. And they were holding at that time a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. When therefore they gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Christ? For he knew that because of envy they had delivered him up. Verse 19 says, And while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife said to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitudes to ask for Barabbas and to put Jesus to death. But the governor answered and said to him, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Now verse 22. Verse 22 says, Pilate said to him, What then shall I do with Jesus, who is called the Christ? They all said to him, Let him be crucified. And he said, Why, what evil has he done? But they kept shouting all the more, Let him be crucified. And when Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the multitude, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves. And the people answered and said to him, His blood is on us and our children. Then they released Barabbas for them, but Jesus he scourged and delivered him over to be crucified. Now, a couple of thoughts I want to share with you. Verse 16 describes Barabbas as notorious. Other translation says he was well-known. You know, we go throughout history, and we've had some famous criminals. If we had to list some, we might put some people up there like John Dillinger. Or we may put up there Bonnie and Clyde. We may put other people up there like Al Capone, Jesse James. Notorious, well-known. What's also interesting, when you look at the next verse, it seems like it was Pilate who suggested Barabbas. It gives us the idea that the cross in the middle where Jesus was, was intended for Barabbas. He was well known. And when we think about these notorious criminals through history, three things about them that stand out. We see, first of all, that they were bad, that they were well known, and they're breakers of the law. And so it seems like what Pilate is doing is, I'm going to show you the worst, the bottom of the barrel. Nobody wants this guy back on the streets. He is terrible. And on the other hand, I'm going to show you the best of the best, Jesus. He even said later on, what has he done that's guilty? When he goes over to the book of Luke, the Bible tells us there, we find no guilt in him. But the crowd, stirred by the Jewish hierarchy, calls for Barabbas to be released and Jesus to be crucified. And Pilate says in verse 22, what shall I do with Jesus? And that presents that same question for us today. It's a question for our times. It's a question for our society. It's a question for you and for me. What shall I do with Jesus? And when we think about that question, we go backwards and think about, well, what have we done with Jesus? We look to the past and think, what have we done with Jesus in the past? And by and large, what we have done is we've kept Jesus at a distance. By and large, it's out of sight, out of mind concept. By and large, it's the idea that we simply kind of ignore Jesus. And what that has led to is spiritual bankruptcy. Paul says it well in the book of Ephesians as he's describing here the 
Gentile people. He would say in verse 12 of chapter 2, remember that you are at that time separate, he says, from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant promise, having no hope without God in the world. That's where it's led to. So as Jesus begins the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Poor there doesn't mean I have no money. Poor is not a beggar on the street holding up a sign. Poor is someone who realizes I am spiritually bankrupt. I've ruined it spiritually. What have we done with Jesus in the past? Well, all of us can say there's a period of our life when we did nothing with Jesus. And when we think about that, living without Jesus hasn't worked well. Look at our times we live in. Are these the best of times? No, they're not. Are these times of peace? No, they're not. Are these times when people are getting along? No, it's not. Are these times when we see a lot of goodness being done? No, it's not. You see, Barabbas or Jesus? Be like asking your child, broccoli or M&M's? That's a pretty easy answer, isn't it? That's what Pilate was thinking. How in the world can you choose the worst of the worst? Because their hearts were not where it should be. What have we done with Jesus? Our lives are plagued with worry and fear without Jesus, as it is with a lot of people today. And we think our lives without Jesus have no purpose. We get older and we get older and eventually we all die. What's the purpose of all this? Where are we going? If we remove God out of the world, we remove God out of our lives, what good is it doing to us? And what we see is from this, we've taken away the, we've taken blessings from God and we've not even been thankful. And what's happened is our character has demonstrated the worst in us. Got your Bible? Let's look at a couple of verses, if you will. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, and let's begin verse 17. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17. This I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity and greediness. But you did not learn Christ this way. He would say down here in verse 31, he says, let all bitter and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. You see, without Jesus, this is how our character is. What have we done with Jesus? Well, in the past, we haven't done good things, have we? And demonstrates that. Paul would say in the next book, in the book of Colossians, it's going to be two books over, Colossians chapter 3. Again, illustrating this point in verse 5. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is on account of these things that the wrath of God will come. And in them you also once walked, and you were living in them. What have we done with Jesus? In the past, we've ignored him. And where did it get us? It didn't get us any place good. Now, we ask that same question. And we ask the present tense. Well, what am I doing with Jesus now? 
What am I doing with Jesus? And again, that question makes us think about our relationship with the Lord. Some folks are trying to love two masters at one time, even though Jesus says you cannot do that. He says in Matthew 6, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will devote it to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mamma or wealth. But a lot of people are trying to make that marriage. Others are trying to fit Jesus into the mode I created. My Jesus lets me do what I want to do. My Jesus has no commitment. My Jesus. And so when we think about this question, what am I doing with Jesus? If you've got your Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of John, if you will. John is an interesting book because in the Gospel of John, there are seven miracles. And we're going to walk through these real quickly. Because what John shows us, he shows us who Jesus is. And what's interesting is the prophets did two things for us. The first thing they did is they drew an outline of what the Messiah would be like. Maybe you've done that before. Maybe you're working on some wood project or you're doing some uh, patterns from dresses or some stenciling. You make an outline of it first. And many of you remember this old Alfred Hitchcock idea. There's the outline, and here's the image. That's what the prophets did. Here is one coming from the seed of David. Here's one who's going to be born in Bethlehem. Here's one who's going to reign the nations. Here's one who's going to be rejected and condemned. He's going to work miracles. He's going to be crucified and raised on the third day. That is the outline they gave it to us. And then what we see, the reality is, we see that Jesus fits that mold. In the book of Acts in chapter 2, men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus, the Nazarene, a man attested, or a man proven to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. What he's saying is, there's that image, and Jesus fit that image. So go with me to the Gospel of John. And we begin in John chapter 2, and we see a scene of disappointment. There's a wedding feast, and they run out of wine. And for those who are hosting that wedding, it's a major disappointment. I've been to weddings before, and there's no, not enough cake. And for the bride's family, big problem. What do we do? You're having a wedding, and you run out of food. That's a problem, isn't it? And so that's a big social thing. And what does Jesus do in John chapter 2? He turns water into wine, his very first miracle, demonstrating that he can do anything, demonstrating that he can change the quality and the substance from water into wine, that he has all power upon earth. We turn to John chapter 4, and we find a time of doubt. Here was a nobleman's son, and he was very sick. As it says in verse 46 of John chapter 4, it says there that as he came to Cana of Galilee where he had been made watered into wine, there was a certain royal official whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come into, out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and he was requesting him to come down and heal his son for he was at the point of death. Nobody can heal my son, but Jesus does. Jesus therefore said to him, verse 48, unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. The royal official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. He never saw that child. 
He never put his hand on that child. He never took that child's temperature. He never says, I think this is the, what's wrong with your child. He didn't have to. From a distance, he's God, and he's showing that. We also notice in the Gospel of John, if you go to chapter 5, here's a man who had a long period of disability. For 38 years, he had been crippled, laying at this pool, hoping that someone would help him. Jesus comes along, and he heals that man. Again, doing something that no one else could do. We also look in the next page, John chapter 6, and there's a crowd of discouragement. There's 5,000 people, and they were hungry, and it's getting dark. And the disciples said, send them home. But Jesus said, no, we're going to feed them. And what did Jesus do? He multiplied the food, something no one could ever do. Jesus did those things. And then we look also in John chapter 6, and there's the disciples in a boat in a storm late at night, and they're scared. And what happens is here comes Jesus walking on the water. And as Jesus walks on the water, he gets in the boat, he calms the storm, he calms their hearts. A moment of despair is changed by Jesus Christ. And then we look in our Bibles, and there is a man who had a lifetime of darkness. He had been blind since birth. The disciples want to know who sinned. They didn't ask Jesus, to, can you heal this man? They simply don't want to know the cause of his blindness. Jesus heals this man, brings light into his life. And then when you get to John chapter 11, there's the death of his friend Lazarus. A crushing blow of his defeat. Both the sisters Mary and Martha say, had you been here, he would have lived. Jesus brings him back. And what we see in the Gospel of John are seven reasons to believe in Jesus. What shall I do with Jesus? Jesus is God on earth. Jesus is the Savior of the world. And throughout this little section here, John, multiple times the word sign is used. Sign, wonders, and miracles often found together. When you and I think about sign, they point to something. We're driving down the road, and there's a sign. You're driving down the road, and you're hungry, and it says, looky there. There's a place to go eat. Let's go there. Signs also identify. They identify my exit. They identify where I'm going to be. They identified that this image of Jesus fits the outline that the prophets gave us, and so they understood who Jesus was. What shall I do with Jesus? What am I doing with Jesus? Is he first in my life? Do I come to Sunday service and think, okay, checked off my Jesus list, and then I go home, and the rest of the week I don't think about Jesus? Or do I realize he's God on earth? He came just for you. He came because your life was a mess. He came because you couldn't do it right. He came to save you, to give you better steps to follow, to enlighten your heart. He came that you would go to heaven. And so the third question we ask out of this is, what shall I do with Jesus? Simply, what shall I do with Jesus? For some people, it may be, I will put them off until another day. You know, this is the holiday time, this is the busy time, and, and I just don't have time to think about Jesus right now, so I'm going to put it off. Other people may think, well, you know what? I'm going to wait and see what other folks do. If other folks get a little bit excited, I might get a little bit excited. But until then, I'm going to just kind of wait and see. But what is it that God wants? 
What is it that God wants from you? First and foremost, he wants you to believe. Believe with all your heart. He is the Savior. He does love you. He has a better way for you to live. You don't have to live in misery. You don't have to live with the pigs. You don't have to live with anger. You don't have to live with doubt. You don't have to live with fear. Believe in Jesus. So much, that's the emphasis of the New Testament, that you need to believe in Jesus. From that, you need to obey him. Do what he says. Jesus would say in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? If I am Lord, why don't you obey me? Obey me by being baptized because he said that. Obey by living righteously because that's what he wants me to do. Obey by being the character God wants me to be. God wants you to obey him. It's not just check him off. Yeah, there's Jesus and go on my way. He wants that belief to change you. Because I believe, I make some adjustments. From that, he wants you to trust him. When the days are dark, and I'm going through those valleys, to know that my God is with me. Yea, though I go through the valley of the shadow of darkness, or of death itself, thou art with me. Psalms 46, that God is a present help in days of trouble. That God is there. He wants you to trust him. And to believe in him. The world's running like chicken little. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. And God's saying, be calm. God's saying, it's okay. God's saying, I got this. Well, what about tomorrow? I'm already there. Well, what about the past? I can forgive you. What about this? I'm here to help you. And then what he wants you to do is become like him. Become like him in character. Paul would say in Romans chapter 8 that we're to be conformed to his image. First Peter says we are to be holy as he is holy. We are to forgive as he has forgiven us. That's what God wants. So when we say, what am I doing with Jesus? The idea is, I've changed my life because of Jesus. I live because of Jesus. I follow because of Jesus. Pretty soon, the season will be over. All the decorations will go down. All the radio stations will shell these songs happily until next year, and we'll be right back to where we were. It's very similar to a very famous place in Italy. They have a manger scene they keep out year-round. It's very beautiful. People come from around the world to see this manger scene. But something's interesting. Where Jesus belongs, it's empty. They bring him out on Christmas Eve and for Christmas Day, and then he's put back in a box until next year. And that's what a lot of people do with their lives. You see a lot of people talking about Jesus today. You see a lot of people getting excited about Jesus today. But when the week is over, does Jesus go back in the box until next year? Pilate asks a very serious question. What will I do with Jesus? And what Pilate did was nothing. He fumbled the ball. He was scared. And the question we ask you is, what will you do with Jesus? And sooner or later, you have to come to some answer. Because if you don't answer him now, you'll have to answer him when you stand before that throne of God. And he'll ask you, what about me? You lived your life, you made your choices, you did all these things, but did you live as if I never existed? Did you make all your plans as if you're going to live forever? Did you do everything you want to do from a secular standpoint, but did you ever think, what about 
Jesus. How would Jesus want me to think? How would Jesus want me to forgive? How would Jesus want me to be? What about Jesus? Isn't that a great statement? And I hope this morning, as we begin a simple lesson for you, it gives you some things to think about. Maybe one here this morning has never done anything with Jesus. Oh, I come to church with a friend or a parent. I come to church, but I've never really done anything with Jesus. I've never been on his side. I've never confessed him. I never said, Jesus, I want to follow you the rest of my life. Jesus, I want you to change me. Jesus, I want you to make me like you. I want a heart like you have, Jesus. I want to see people and see goodness, not always negative things. I want to be able to be helpful like you. Be a servant, Jesus. Jesus, I want to be like you. It's not just sitting in the old pew. What it is is something in your heart. What are you going to do with Jesus? And someday, that may be the question God asks of you. As you live a life, however long God gives you, all the places you go, all the people you meet, all the things you do, for God to say, what did you do with Jesus? And that question can only be answered by how we looked at what God wants from us. Did I believe? Did I obey? Did I make him the Lord of my life? Don't be a pilot and just kick that can down the road. Don't be like society is just going to put him back in the box until next year. God wants you to see that today and every day can make a difference. What will you do with Jesus? If we can help you, won't you come as we stand, as we sing?